4. Ephesians 6, verse 1, down through verse 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, for this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children with anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Thanks, Paul. There's a guy on YouTube. His name is Adam Neely, with an N, not a silent K that you might expect. Adam Neely. He is a professional musician in New York City. And he has almost 1.6 million subscribers, which is a little surprising, I think, because his videos are about music theory. So if you like music theory, Adam Neely is your guy on YouTube. But he's a professional bass guitar player, like Mike up here playing his bass named Buttercup. Uh, Adam, Adam Neely, um, four years ago, as a thank you, for reaching 300 subscribers, sorry, 300,000 subscribers, he made a video where he played the same seven-note bass guitar riff for five hours. This was a way to, of course, generate viral interest in his channel and uh, as a way of saying thank you to his subscribers to do this, to play the same seven-note bass guitar riff for five hours to record it and to post it online. This requires discipline, focus, and let's be honest, a little bit of crazy, right? Would you agree that we often complete tasks on autopilot? Maybe for some of us that's laundry or maybe vacuuming or maybe updating a spreadsheet or making some cold calls that you need to make as part of your job. I clean bathrooms on autopilot. I don't even think about it. I, I know what needs to be done. It's why I like doing bathrooms and I just do it and before I know it, it's done. I don't even think about it. I wonder if some of us parent on autopilot. I wonder if we respond to behaviors and give consequences to our children almost like second nature. It's like we're just mindlessly going through the motions. And before you know it, the day is over. I think some of us are in another parenting ditch. Rather than autopilot behaviors, maybe your parenting style is characterized by knee-jerk reactions. And every time your child disobeys or looks at you with defiance or frustrates your plans, you immediately and almost involuntarily just react. <clears throat> Moms and dads, training your children to follow the words and the ways of Jesus. Preparing your children to be eternal worshipers of God. This is hard, emotionally draining, and physically exhausting work. 
but it is worth it. It's worth it. It requires way more discipline, way more focus, and a lot more crazy than recording the same seven-note guitar riff. But I want to encourage you with this today. God has given you everything you need to faithfully parent your children. Everything you need. God has given it to you in your Savior, Jesus Christ. Children, did you know that the Bible tells you to obey your mom and dad? Oh, I'm getting some nods. Yes, this is good. The Bible tells you to obey your mom and dad. So, I want to remind you of this. If you know that the Bible tells you to obey your mom and dad, when you disobey your mom and dad, you are not just disobeying mom and dad. You are also disobeying who? God. Good answer. You're also disobeying God. Have you ever thought about that, kids? That disobedience to mom and dad is also disobedience towards God? This is a very serious matter. This means that when your mom or your dad tells you to do something and you don't do it because you're too busy playing with your Lego or you're too busy playing with your dog or you're just too busy playing video games and you don't obey your mom or your dad, God knows about it. God is aware of your disobedience. But it also means that when you don't do something that you know is right. Do you know what I'm talking about, kids? When you know what your mom and dad would want you to do, and you choose to do the opposite, even though maybe mom and dad didn't tell you yet what to do, but you know the right thing to do, because they've taught you well, and you don't do it, that is also disobeying your mom and dad. And that is also a very serious matter. But it also means this. <clears throat> Sometimes we do things that we know we shouldn't do. But we don't want to ask mom or dad because we're concerned that if we ask, they will say no. I wonder if sometimes this happens with desserts or snacks, right? And we sneak an extra dessert or we take an extra snack from the cabinet because we don't want to ask. And we just think, well, mom and dad haven't told me that I can't. But you know that if you were to ask, they would say no. That's also disobeying your mom and dad. And that is also disobeying God in heaven. Children, please hear God's word to you again from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Children, it is right for you to obey your parents. God says it is right. And therefore, it is a sin when you disobey. Have you sinned 
against your mom and dad and therefore also sinned against God by failing to obey his word, to obey your mom and dad? Children, you need a savior. You need Jesus. Sin is a very serious matter and you can't take care of your sin problem on your own. If you realize and you recognize that you have a sin problem, would you talk to your mom or dad today and ask them to tell you about Jesus? Because I'll bet they would love to tell you about how Jesus deals with our sin problem. Older children and teenagers, would you listen for a moment? As you become an adult and you find yourself no longer under the direct authority and the supervision of your parents, this is going to feel very freeing and also perhaps just a little bit scary, right? Because now you don't have somebody telling you what to do all the time. How will you respond to this? Please hear God's word to you. Verse number two, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Honor your father and mother. How do we sort out this difference between what it means to obey and what it means to honor? I think this illustration is, is quite imperfect, but I think it might help us, okay? Think about two circles. I'm going to do like this, like we're, like we're doing YMCA. Uh, this is the first big circle, but think of two circles, okay? And the first circle are the things that you need to obey your mom and dad about because you are a child. And the second circle are the things that you need to honor your mom and dad about because they are your parents. Now, those two circles, when you're very young, overlap. Does that make sense? Like the obey circle and the honor circle are almost exactly the same. But I think here's what happens as children grow up and they mature and they begin to move out of the home and they become directly responsible to God themselves and to his word and and hopefully to a, a church who loves them and elders who want to serve them and care for them and point them to Jesus. This, the, the two circles are no longer overlapping, right? The, the number of things that Chloe, for example, in our family, has to obey me about is shrinking down. She doesn't have to obey me about all the things anymore. Why? Well, because she's 18 now. And so her obedient circle in that sense is shrinking smaller. But listen, it's still inside the honor circle. And the honor circle is still big. And that's why teenagers, young people, God still commands you to honor your father and mother. What does it mean to honor our parents? You ought to listen carefully to their counsel. You should seek their wisdom. You should respect them. As you become adults, it will become less common for you simply to obey what they say and less common for them to be giving you commands to obey. But the command to honor them remains. And in God's grace, what sweet grace, right? The scripture provides a benefit to us 
to continue honoring our parents. Look down in your Bible, verse number three. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So let me ask you, is honoring your parents like drinking from the fountain of youth? Because that is sort of what it looks like here, right? That if I just honor my parents, then I'm going to live a long time. I think we ought to interpret this promise similar to the way that we interpret the book of Proverbs. As a general rule, under normal circumstances, things being equal, all of these types of phrases that we think about, generally speaking, children who obey and children who honor their parents, especially parents who point their children to Jesus, will avoid lots of sin, they will avoid lots of pain, and they will avoid lots of consequences in this life. Is that, generally speaking, a true statement? I think it is. Dads, this is such a good text, isn't it? Isn't it so shocking, fathers, that the good Father in heaven trusts us with our children? Dads, God trusts you with specific responsibilities with your family. And he also gives you a warning about provoking your children. Do you know when I provoke my kids to anger? When I am parenting from one of these two ditches. When I am parenting on autopilot or when I am parenting with knee-jerk reactions. Almost indefinitely, I'm going to provoke my children to anger. It's when I am self-centered, when I am short-sighted, when I'm lazy, when I'm fighting to control a situation that is horribly beyond my control. When I forget that my kids are kids. When I compare my kids to others. When I fail to affirm them. When I don't remind them often enough that I love them. This is when I need this warning about provoking my children to anger. Look down in your Bible, verse number four. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I'd like you to notice two ways that Paul's exhortation here in Ephesians is different from what the original hearers might have expected. First, Paul instructs fathers to bring up their children. Do you see that in the text? And not just their sons. Why is this important? Jewish people living under the Old Covenant raised their boys and girls differently. On the eighth day, every son was circumcised, and from that day forward, every boy was in. Every boy was part of the covenant community. He bore in his body 
the covenant sign of circumcision. Sons were raised to lead the way in Israel's relationship with the Lord. The obligations, the responsibilities, the privileges of representing the Lord, they fell on the sons, but not on their sisters. A boy could look down and be reminded, I belong to God. But under the old covenant, girls had no physical sign of belonging. Think about that. A woman could be sure of being in the covenant community only as she was connected to a circumcised male, either her father, her husband, or her brother. Think about the story of Naomi and Ruth. That's what makes the story of Naomi so compelling. She finds herself cut off from the community. And she can only be reconnected by being connected to a circumcised male. Under the Old Covenant, a woman's value and significance was primarily related to her ability to produce sons. But hear this, hear this. The Gospel of Jesus removes this distinction between boys and girls in a very real and practical and tangible way. What has happened under the New Covenant? The symbol, the sign of the covenant, circumcision, has been done away with. And what is now the sign and symbol of the covenant? Baptism. Baptism. And who can be baptized? Men and women. Boys and girls. Now all of God's children can share in the sign, the symbol of the covenant. By going down into the waters of baptism and being raised again, demonstrating your union with Jesus. Now, everyone, everyone, men and women, boys and girls, everyone is urged, compelled, repent, believe, trust in Jesus, be baptized. Why? To signal your participation in the new covenant, to testify, I belong to God, and the way is open. Men and women, boys and girls, come and trust in Jesus. Become part of his new covenant that he has opened by shedding his own blood on the cross. This is wonderful. Jesus changes everything. All those who trust in Jesus, men and women, boys and girls, all of us become sons and daughters of God. We become co-heirs of grace. All who trust in Jesus are adopted into God's family. Didn't Peter tell us that we are together guaranteed a glorious inheritance? All of those in Christ, whether male or female, are now free to approach the throne of grace with confidence and to offer spiritual sacrifices to God through Christ. See, the Greek and the Jewish first hearers of, of this letter to Ephesus, they would expect Paul to say, train up your sons. 
That'd be totally normal for both the Greek and the Jewish hearers. Train up your sons. The Greek fathers, they'd want to teach their sons philosophy. Teach our sons to be good citizens. Teach them about culture. And Jewish fathers would want to teach their sons the Torah. Remind them of the history of God's people. But look at the curriculum. Sorry. But under the new covenant, it is not just the sons. New covenant fathers bring up their children. In other words, the gospel of Jesus changes the students in the realm of parenting. Do you see that here in the text? I also want you to notice that the gospel changes the curriculum. Not philosophy, not culture, not good citizenship, not the Torah or the history of God's people. Here's the curriculum that God gives to fathers, the discipline and instruction of the Lord. What is that? Well, that's just Paul's long way of saying the gospel. The discipline and instruction of the Lord. Not only does Paul change the students involved in parenting, but he also changes the curriculum. Parents, there are all kinds of good things that you ought to be teaching your children, but there is one primary thing. Train your children to know and believe the gospel. Teach your boys and your girls that God is holy, that sin is filthy, that grace is amazing, that mercy is always undeserved, and that forgiveness is so very real. Teach them. Teach them and apply the gospel. Dads, initiate and lead your family in this. Moms, delight in providing your strength and support and blessing. What might this look like? <clears throat> what might this look like in real life? When a child demands his own way. Do any of your children ever demand their own way? Oh, okay, good. When your child demands his own way, teach him from Philippians chapter 2 about Jesus who humbled himself and submitted his will to the Father. Teach him about Jesus. Show him that since Jesus was more concerned about others than about himself, we can also be more concerned about others than about ourselves. Is that the gospel? Teach it and apply it. When there's conflict in your home, teach them from James chapter 4 about the sinfulness of sin that lives inside of every human being. Show them how sin, James says, makes us willing to trample on others to get what we want. Show them how sin makes us willing to hurt others from James chapter 4. And remind them that Jesus died to free his people from the power of sin. When a child acts entitled, teach her about Jesus. Teach her about Jesus who came not to be served, but to serve. He was the greatest one at the supper in the upper room. 
He was their Lord. He was their teacher. He was the one in authority. And yet, what does he do? He takes the lowest place. He did not come to be served, but to serve. Teach her about Jesus. Teach her that gospel and apply it to her life. When your child seems too competitive, remind him, show him Romans 12, how Paul tells us to be competitive about outdoing one another in showing honor. What a wonderful thing to be competitive about. I want to show you more honor than you are willing to show me. That's fantastic competition. Teach your child that. Teach your kids from Psalm 139 that God made their bodies and that they are uniquely special, designed as God made them to be. Teach them, please teach them this. Tell them, won't you, that regardless of their shape or size, God knit them together inside of their mother and that he is so very pleased with the work that he did. Teach them that. When a favorite toy or a book or a birthday $5 bill is then lost, and then found, teach them to celebrate that. Why? Because finding lost things is worth celebrating. Don't autopilot over that. Why? It's an opportunity to tell them how Jesus celebrates over finding a lost sinner. Teach them about Jesus who came to seek and to save the lost. When your child sins, teach them from Ephesians 2 about the richness of God's mercy. And then listen, parents, every once in a while, apply that verse and demonstrate mercy by relieving them of consequences that they deserve. Teach it and apply it. That's what mercy looks like. When there's a substitute teacher at school, teach them how Jesus suffers on the cross as a substitute for sinners. When they are helping with the cleaning, remind them of the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all of our sin. What a great practical opportunity to give them the gospel and apply it. Tell them often, of God's love that is greater even than your love. Model repentance and forgiveness by practicing it regularly in your your relationships. Listen, teaching and applying the gospel is not difficult. Brothers and sisters, I am convinced we know the gospel. We talk about it every single week. We know the gospel. Teach it to your kids and apply it to everyday life. It's not difficult, but it does require intentionality. You're going to need the Spirit's help to get out of the ditch of autopilot absent-mindedness. You're going to need the Spirit's help to get out of the ditch of knee-jerk reactions. 
We know this to be true. Some days will be better than others, but that's why I say rinse and repeat. Teach and apply the gospel, recognizing that some days are going to be better than others, and then don't give up. Just rinse and repeat and do it again. Keep at it. Don't give up when it seems hard or you wonder if the gospel is working. By God's grace and the Holy Spirit's power, try again. Our goal, our goal, parents, is not temporary superficial behavior change. Your heart, your goal, your goal is a heart that loves God and others because it has been transformed by the beautiful, glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our goal. That's what we're aiming for. We're aiming for developing eternal worshipers of Jesus Christ. That matters. Maybe you're not a parent. I would also like to remind you of a handful of things that are true. But parents, you should listen also. We are children of God before we are parents of children. Is that true? We're children of God before we are parents of children. Some of us need to be reminded of that. Husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, you might need to remind each other of that, especially if you're going to fight your way out of one of those two ditches by the Spirit's power. We're children of God before we're parents of children. If you don't have any children, I'm so glad you're here. Would you tell that to somebody this week who's wrestling with their kids in missional community? Would you remind them that they are children of God? They might need to hear that from you this week. It'll be good for them to hear it from you. We won't make disciples unless we are also disciples. And that means we need one another. Whether we are parents singles, a grandparent, an older man or woman who is here with us at Grace City Church, we need each other. We need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ from one another. Why is that true? Why is it that we need to hear the gospel so frequently from one another? Because we need faith to remember that God is working in spite of our weakness and our sin and our failure. We need faith to remember that God is working. We need hope that God has our children's futures firmly in his hand. Moms and dads, God has your children's futures firmly in his hands. Don't forget that. We need endurance so that we don't quit and throw up our hands in despair or disgust. We need endurance. God's grace is sufficient. And I promise you this, your heavenly Father will not give up on you. By the Spirit and the Word, God has given us everything we need. His grace is sufficient. He's not giving up on you. And he has given us all that we need for life and godliness. We have the Holy Spirit. We have his word. We have a community of faith. And he continues to teach and apply the gospel to us. Isn't that true? As we open his word, 
What do we see more and more and more of this glorious gospel? Oh, our Heavenly Father delights to teach and apply the gospel to your life. And he is happy from now until Jesus returns here it to rinse and repeat with you and with me. So let's follow our good Father's example. Should we do that? Let's pray. Father, we are grateful to be your children. We are humbled that you have brought us into your family. We are so grateful that you have made us brothers and sisters, co-heirs of grace. We are shocked that you have guaranteed us an inheritance and that even now you are keeping our inheritance, guarding it, and you have given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that we will have that inheritance someday. Would you give moms and dads here courage, faith, hope, endurance, perseverance. Give us insights into your word. Give us opportunities and help us to spot these opportunities and to take advantage of them in our parenting. Help us to know when to teach. Help us to know and discern when to apply. Help us to understand all of the practical realities that go into parenting our children well. And most of all, most of all, would you remind us that we belong to you, that you are our Father, and that you delight in us, and that you are committed to changing our stubborn, rebellious, broken hearts with your gospel and your Holy Spirit's power until Jesus returns. Thank you for giving us your word. Help us to believe and obey it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, would you please forgive us where we have failed to obey this clear command from your word. Forgive us for parenting out of autopilot, absent-mindedness, for being negligent. Forgive us for having knee-jerk reactions instead of choosing a path of intentionality. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that covers all of our sin. Thank you that because of him, we continue to have access into your throne room of grace, and we know that right there we find grace to help in time of need, and all of us as mom and dads confess this is a great time of need. Father, would you keep us often and regularly before your throne? Make us dependent, humbly dependent on you for all of our parenting ups and downs. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending Jesus to the cross. Thank you for raising him from the dead, seating him at your right hand. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for interceding on our behalf before the Father. We are so grateful for all that we have received in Christ. 
And so we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.